Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is quite unique. Um, you'll hear the, clim- uh, the clippers in the background because this is a conversation with Sean Grant, my barber. Sean and Miriam uh, own District One Barbers and uh, down on Los Feliz, um, California near uh, Vermont Avenue and, and other things. Uh, they're kind of right kitty corner to the House of Pies, which is a fantastic LA spot. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Sean where we uh, deal with things from cutting hair to faith and diversity and uh, just a lot of fun engagement with um, with Sean about his ideas and how he looks at life. Uh, I'm here at District One Barbers with Sean. What up, Sean? Yo, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. Uh, let's see, I should probably take my glasses off so we can do this thing. Um, you know, my wife always likes the longer on the top, but I'm I'm feeling adventurous, so <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll give you the permission to do what you want with it. Adventurous, day. to do what I want, yo, that's awesome, yo. I was at a restaurant the other day, and I, I asked them what they recommended, because I'd never been to it. It's, it's uh, in Pasadena. Uh-huh. It's called Lovebird's Bakery. Wow. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, and I guess it's just kind of become my thing right now is to like ask people like what they recommend. So I'll, I'll ask you what you recommend about my hair. Well, you know, with any recommendation, I don't necessarily recommend that you do sometimes. <laughs> because now the, the uh, opportunity to be creative is in my hands. But I also know your wife. That's true. So I do have some... Constriction. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the restaurant, it's not like, ah, you know, it's whatever I want to do. Nah, I know your wife, and your wife knows me, and she knows how to find me. <laughs> I know she has a very special set of skills. That's so right. I tend not to harm those, you know, harvest those special sets of skills that she has that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, Sean, um, Tell us a little about your shop. How how long have you had your shop, and uh, yeah, how long have you guys been in LA? So uh, we've been in LA uh, for four years now, uh, September, and uh, we've had this shop for going on a year and a half. Both my wife and I, you know, we were both co-owners of District One Barbers last year over in the Los Feliz area. And uh, you know we've uh, we've rather enjoyed ourselves not so much as putting it together as much as we have enjoyed ourselves actually doing the work as we speak. So well, but I mean, you guys really have done an intentional job. I mean, I'm sitting here and there's wood and there's you know art and music and giant mirror. I mean, it just like so. What are you trying to get across with? the way you guys have set the shop up? Well, one of our models is being distinctively deliberate. You know, uh, we want to be deliberate in everything that we do. We want to have a, a reason for everything that we do. And it's intentional, very much intentional. Mm. You know, when you think about, you know, the, the, the colors that we have on the wall to accent the woods, like a navy, deep, dark blue, you know, because we want it to feel warm and cozy. 
for people to come in. We don't want to run people off. We want people to come in and feel like they automatically belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people who are in the industry would totally disagree with the color that I have on the wall. <laughs> but, you know, it's not just about people who are in the industry. It's about people who come to District 1 and have a, have a great time, you know, be able to learn and be able to have fun and enjoy themselves as clients as well as, you know, patrons of this community. Yeah, you know, I, I was, uh, so obviously we go to church together, and that's how we met. Um, I think I've been coming basically, I guess it's been a year, right? Because we... Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be a year coming up soon because you guys were in and out last year in January. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We were coming in a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, so... I mean, I'm not as regular as I probably should be, as you can tell with my hair. Uh, <laughs> I really needed it this time. Um, but, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody at church just, I think, last week, actually, and they, I think, had come to see you for the first time, uh, the Martinez, uh, Diego, and Oh, yeah, Diego, yes. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And uh, it, was, it was quite awesome. I mean, his mom... Jeannie was just saying, Sean has so much passion and energy and just makes it so much fun. Um, so, I mean, you, you've just got kind of a, a, a way about you. Um, and I was thinking about that because you, you're not afraid to talk about anything with anybody. So, uh, <coughs> talk a little bit about that. Is that something you get trained for or what are you, what are you doing with that? Uh, well, you know, traditionally in the barbershop uh, setting, in my opinion, it's a place where people commune, they get the chance to fellowship and understand each other, get a chance to network, uh, things of that nature. But, you know, when you go to school, a lot of times they tell you not to talk about certain things. Uh, the reason being is because those particular things could eventually cost you clients, hmm. you know, like politics, religion, things of that nature, sex, gender, uh, we don't talk about those particular things because, you know, we don't want to offend anyone or, you know, we don't want to make anyone feel bad about who they are or what they believe in or who they represent. Where in all actuality, if you do everything in decent and in order, if you're very polite about it, if you have an understanding of where you want to go with the conversation, I think you can talk to anybody about anything. It's just a matter of saying... Oh, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? How do you feel about this situation or that situation? Or we, when we talk about today's society and our politics and things of that nature, you know, this is a very hot topic. Yeah. Why not talk about it so that you can gain the perspective of other people that you don't know who might come from different backgrounds? Yeah. I mean, that's... I, I wish more people were like that. I wish there were more spots like... Like District One, we could have these conversations. I think it's important. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember uh, having conversation with you about um, one of the times in the shop, and it just kind of came up. We were just we were talking about church and uh, things going on, and uh, we were talking about diversity, and it's, that seems kind of be like one of those. Um, topics everybody wants to talk about but nobody really seems to have, yeah. a, have a handle on yeah. um and and you're you're not originally from LA right no I'm so not. so talk a little bit about that how you know what was it like growing up um because you're from 
South Carolina. South Carolina. I was yes. thinking it was one of the Carolinas. Yes, um, and then now moving to L.A. And, I mean, L.A.'s pretty diverse. Uh, you're, we're down here in Las Feliz. And then in Glendale, where I'm living, there's all sorts of Armenians. And, um, you know, we've got rich and poor, you know, just kind of all huddled up together here in L.A. Absolutely, um, yeah. So talk a little bit about that. How, how was it growing up for you and then the change of coming here to, to kind of a more diverse place? You know, growing up in South Carolina, where I went to school, it was, it was relatively diverse. You know, we, we had a great school. We had a very large school. My class was a class of, started out being a class of like five to 600 kids, mm. which is very large for, for our school uh, in the South, in my opinion. And so, you know, we were relatively diverse when it came to our students. I had Indian classmates, I had white, Mexican, African classmates. But I think uh, the diversity necessarily comes, when it really counts, it comes after school. When you're, when you're an adult and you're capable of being around people and not feeling one way or another, not feeling judged or not feeling like you have to be a certain way rather than be yourself. I think that's when diversity really comes into play because sometimes when certain people are in a different crowd of people, you know, i.e. if I'm a black guy and I'm used to being around black people and I go into a crowd of white people, then my attitude or my demeanor might change mm-hmm. based upon what I think, you know, Caucasians might be like. Or vice versa, a Caucasian man or white man who goes into a crowd of black people might feel different. Mm-hmm. Or... You know, it can go either way. They might feel empowered. They might feel shy. They might feel, you know, unsafe. They might. It, it could be so many different things that you can get when you talk about diversity, uh, or when you're trying to build diversity mm. when there is none. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this particular place or in this particular neighborhood, you can find every single person. Hmm. Uh, in my opinion, around. And I give you an example. I have one client who's a French guy. Mm-hmm. And he brought his girlfriend in. Yo, she's from Spain. There you go. Yo, you have French and, you know, and Spanish people speaking together in English from two different backgrounds. Yeah. But at the same time, neither one of them really understand the native tongue for, you know, to each person. Yeah. I can't speak Spanish to him and he understands me. It's not going to work. Right. So, you know, we have... A, an opportunity to be able to bring diversity in so many different places, mm-hmm. uh, barbershops, coffee shops, but it's also about more about being able to communicate with those different types of people to be able to show diversity, to be able to spread diversity, to be able to show people that you're different or that you are the same. Mm. You're either here to build stereotypes or break stereotypes down. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's tremendous. I mean, I, I think about how often we get caught up wanting unity, but we don't want to lose diversity, um, especially in the church. Yes. Um, and, you know, Glendale, it's, you know, I was just looking today actually at a, a bulletin from the 60s when they built the building that we're currently in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we probably need some updating. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a traditionally heritage white congregation um, and I would say you know at this point we're all of our leaders are are white um, and kind of some of the you know 
longer term members are, are white, and so it's just, it still has that heritage feel, but, um, and there, you know, we have several African American congregations around us, um, but there's not a whole lot of, you know, active fellowship back and forth between the two, and yet there seems to be, you know, continual conversation about that, like, and then now there's a lot of, you know, Hispanic Churches of Christ in the area too, and um, you know, so it's just like we're all trying to answer that question in our own way of what does diversity look like, um, what does unity look like while not losing our diversity, you know. Um, so what what brought you guys to Glendale, and you know, kind of why are you you and Miriam calling that church home for the last several years? Well, we believe that. Uh when we first got here, we, we went to a predominantly black congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was in the process of becoming quote unquote more diverse. Mm. Uh, and when the minister left uh, that particular congregation, we did also. And we actually looked around quite often for different congregations to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been to you know several other congregations in the neighborhood. We've been to several congregations in. South Central that we knew, <clears throat> and one day you know we went to to Glendale. And we you know we we haven't left Glendale unless you know somebody's like hey yo we want you guys to come and you know fellowship with us for for whatever reason. And the, one of the reasons why we we were at Glendale we stayed at Glendale is because at that particular point in time it kind of felt like where we originally went to church back in South Carolina. You know, it was a very loving congregation. Uh, you might see people and talk to people. Uh, you know, I still remember the first day we got there, the first person that walked to us, up to us and talked to us was Jim. Mm. He was the very first person. And, you know, Jim is, is, is an elder at the church. And, you know, to me that said a lot because I didn't even know who he was at that present time. He was just a brother in the church. Yeah. As I saw it. And he, you know, it meant a lot for him to come and say, hey guys, how you doing? My name is Jim. I just wanted to come over and introduce myself to you guys. You know, never seen you guys before. Sometimes it's just as much as, you know, when you see somebody new, not to crowd people, not to mm. crowd them. You know, because sometimes when you crowd them, you kind of feel like a used car something. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that. Uh, but at the same time, when you have people who are quote unquote designated to see new people and say, hey, I need to go say something, I think a lot of times that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it makes a difference is because it allows people to be warm inside and shows, and it will show that people care about the people who, who might be new. Mm. Not so much as, oh, you got everybody trying to say hello to this one person. Now, sometimes that could be overwhelming, sometimes that could be you know, a, a, a sense of, oh, they want me here, they need me here. Or sometimes it could be just as much as saying, well, I'm not used to that many people. Mm. And some people it is okay, but I figure sometimes it's good to have a position or a person or, you know, to come in and say, oh, that's the person who's right here is new. Let me go and say hello. Or I know I do personally at our, at our, at our meet and greet and during worship, if I see somebody that I don't know, and they're sitting down and no one is talking to them, I, I go out of my way 
to say, hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah. My name is Sean. Uh, you know, it's great for you to be here. You know, I've never seen you before. Just to just to bring light to people, you know, who are in a lighting situation mm -hmm. who might feel a little dim. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I so I mean, it goes back to what you're trying to do with the shop too. It sounds like. Uh, you know, being a warm and welcoming place and really being authentic to who you are, it's not that we have to think and go out of our way to go, oh man, we're not diverse, we have to become diverse, but actually just being warm means that you become diverse um, naturally, especially in a place that is so diverse like L.A. I mean, I, I think about a lot of the, the families that I know, especially in our youth group and... Um, you know, new people that have come are are not you know from from all over. I mean, we have a Persian gal, um, we have Indian, uh, Indian gal, Korean, Koreans, Chinese. Chinese. Yeah, you gotta you gotta really think about it, bro. Yeah, you know, I don't think Glendale is is not as diverse as most people think it is. I think when people think of diversity, they really don't think about the origins of where people are from. Mm. A lot of times people think black and white when they think about diversity. Mm -hmm. Where in all actuality, black and white are just terms that have been given to people who, you know, wanted to create division anyway. Yeah. So in the process of looking at that, when you look at Glendale and you say somebody might, you know, I've had this asked to me one time by a minister from mm -hmm. another congregation. Well, how diverse is your congregation? And I said, you know, in which way do you mean diverse? I mean, I think we're diverse because I don't just look at it as black and white. Hmm. Whereas I look at the congregation as, yo, black, white, Hispanic, Korean, or Asian, if you will, uh, Indian, you name it. We got it, African, from actual Africa. Yeah. You know, you look at those types of things and you say, well, these people are from different origins of this world. Uh, the, uh, you know, they, they speak different languages. They are have different backgrounds. That's, that's considered to be diversity. Now, when you talk about the leadership, that's one thing. But then when you talk about just diversity in, in itself, yeah. that's something totally different. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, you know, definitely where we're praying and in some ways kind of surprised. Um, maybe by how God is blessing us with things that we maybe aren't even trying to do, you know? Does um, that? And uh, so that, that's really neat. Well, I appreciate those reflections, Sean, I think um, sometimes we, we don't have a good handle on what it means to be diverse. <laughs> hey, look, man, I, I totally understand. You're welcome, man. I totally understand. Um, so... You, you know, you have a passion for people, and uh, you're an athlete. Uh, man, you've done campus ministry. Um, you can do anything, really. So, so why, uh, why barbershop? Why, uh, why cutting? Why cutting hair? Where well, did that come from? I guess cutting hair was a hobby. Oh, okay. Uh, for me, for a very long time. And it, it came about because of a cousin who was cutting my hair and just left me, he only cut half, he left me half done. What? <laughs> I had to finish the rest of my hair. You know? I was like, what am I doing? And you know, it kind of intrigued me, 
but you know, it was always something that was an underlining thing. Mm. It wasn't something that I was like all gun ho about. I cut hair in college for a little while. I remember the first time I messed up my dude in college, and the coach came by and he was like, "Dang, I was about to ask you for a haircut too." You know, when I see you did that. I was like, "Yeah." Oh boy. And it, you know, it kind of it continued to grow on me, man. You know, I did it like you said. I was a part of the campus ministry. Uh, when we went to college, mm-hmm. I cut all the males hair for free because I realized none of the males really wanted to come to Bible study, but it was mm-hmm. an opportunity for me to get them to hear the gospel while being able to get something that they really wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it allows, also allowed me to cut my students' hair when I was at high school, when I coached at high school for five years. And my students got an opportunity to be able to know who I was a little more. Yeah. I get to know who they were a little more, you know, on a more personal level versus just being their coach and not having a true understanding of how their life is, how their mm-hmm. life is, how they live, you know, their situations at home, yeah. which all makes a difference of how people act and react. And then, you know, I kind of left the school scene because of the principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and I... When I left, I had already went to EMT school. I was a, a, a national exam away from being a certified EMT. I had already took my practical examination. I was getting ready to sit to take my uh, theoretical examination. And I said, you know what? This isn't what I really want to do. So I said, that's not going to work. Uh, I was getting ready to go back to PT school, physical therapy school. And my mom died. And when she died, I was like, well, this isn't going to work. Hmm. And the last thing was like I always wanted to be you know go back to get my license because I was just cutting hair so much. Yeah. And I told the principal I said, hey man, I'm, I think I'm gonna. He's like, Sean, are you gonna sign your your uh, your contract? To come back next year. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna sign. He said, what are you gonna do? I said, you know what, man, I'm gonna go back to barber school. So you gonna go back to barber school? I said, yeah, man, you know, why not? Like, well, what are you gonna do that for? And it was like, well, why am I here, bro? I only make, you know, twenty six thousand dollars a year anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me, man. And hmm. so, barbering allowed me to do something that no other thing really allowed me to do. You know, it allowed me to be able to move and travel with my wife. Hmm. Uh, wherever she is, I can go. Right. I, this is a craft that I can take anywhere with me. I mean, it's not like uh, I have an opportunity to, you know, pick up a computer and learn how to program computers. Right. Uh, that is not my thing. You know, but I know how to deal with people. I know how to talk with people. I know how to gauge people relatively decently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can, I, I, I kind of see myself as a chameleon. <laughs> Some people see that as a bad thing because, you know, I, I guess I go in and out sometimes. But I see it as a good thing because it allows me to, to like how Paul said, you know, sometimes, you know, in order to reach those who are in need, you have to understand where they're at in order to be able to help them back up. Mm-hmm. So me, me, me being a comedian kind of puts me in that position where I like to say uh, it allows me to learn more about who people are. And it allows me to have a deeper and greater understanding of who that person is to be able to help them when that time is necessary. Hmm. Uh, so that's the reason why and how I build relationships with different types of people. Yeah. 
So, you know, I'm getting my hair cut right now, and uh, I would say that before I met you, I would not have said that a haircut really added value to my life. Um, <laughs> my mom cut my hair sometimes, and then I would sometimes go to a, you know, a barber or whatever, but uh, pretty infrequently. I even started cutting my own hair at times. It was not good. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, you just changed my whole perspective on it. So, if you were to say, you know, why, how, how can a haircut add value to someone's life? Um, how would you answer that? Well, one, Lars, I'm going to come out, hey, no knock to your mom, yo. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yo, you know, I don't think I've met your mom yet either. Uh, but I will say, yo, no knock to moms. Uh, uh, but, you know, that experience is, a, you know, it's, it's a parenting experience. Okay. Uh, but you would hope that the person who is cutting your hair is, I, I, I'd like to say like myself for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to doubt myself either. <laughs> but I think it changes people's lives, man, for the simple fact that it allows you to have a greater understanding of of you, mm. you know, uh, and why I say that because it, if you ever see somebody with a bad hair day, you know, it doesn't want to listen, it doesn't behave, it doesn't control, you know, it can change a person's mood. Mm. You know, ask any woman, and when I mean any woman, Lawrence, I mean any woman, <laughs> after she gets her hair done, how does she feel? After she gets her nails done, how does she feel? After she gets certain things done, how do they feel? In the service industry, when you put yourself in, in other people's hands, and people take time to, to work with you and have an understanding of what you want and need, it makes you feel good. Mm. You know, uh, it makes you feel like you're being catered to. It makes you feel like somebody has one-on-one -on -one attention with you and that you are the focus of the 35, 45 minute to an hour time slot and it's all about you. Mm -hmm. And when you get done, the product is good. When the product is good, it makes you feel good. Good hair makes you feel good. When your hair looks good, it makes you feel good. When you dress nice, it makes you feel good. By the way, I like the tie. I haven't seen you in a tie. You know, it, it makes... I'm wearing a Star Wars sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm not wearing a tie. No. <laughs> no, the, oh, this past Sunday. Oh, past on Sunday, Sunday okay, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> I did wear a tie. Uh, but, you know, it makes you feel good. Like, I like yeah. to, you know, when you dress up and you go out, you know, with your wife or your significant other, it makes you feel embraced. It makes you feel like, wow. Feel really good being in this presence, you know what I'm saying, of, of greatness, of, yeah. of how you feel. You know, somebody was telling me, I think it's Brene Brown and her research on vulnerability. Um, she was saying that, you know, you, we can't love other people more than we love ourselves. Okay, yeah. And so there's an element in which we have to. You know, it's the self-esteem thing. It's like if you if you can't take yourself seriously and love yourself and love what's going on, then um, you're you're limiting actually how much you can love other people. Mm, and yeah. I mean, we're not trying to you know elevate too much the you know being so self-focused, but I think you're on to something with that whole thing. I mean, I I definitely feel better 
when I leave your shop and um, and have my hair more in place uh, <laughs> where it's supposed to be, and um, and I think it lifts your spirits and the way you approach it, the way you you know, I, I think about the the mirror as a visual, but more than that, like we when I sit down in this chair and you spin me around and say, all right, what are we doing today? Um, yeah, there's something about that that lifts my spirit um, and does does something good for how I can then go back and, and lift someone else's spirit, you know? It can be very cleansing. Yeah. Um, you know, just like a lot of people say, you know, if there's, if there's several people you want to trust in your lifetime, <laughs> you want to trust your mechanic, you know, if you if you, if you you are a drinker, you want to drink, you want to trust your bartender, uh, you want to trust your doctor, yeah. You won't trust the person who cuts your hair. That's right. You know, and this is one of the few service industries where I get a chance to touch people. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's not very few, you know, very many, you know, that you can do that. Being a doctor is one. Being a massage therapist is another. Or being a therapist in, in, in itself is another. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Anything, anytime you touch anybody in any other way, you might get a harassment charge. Yeah. Or, you know, you might, you know, it, it's deemed inappropriate. Or, you know, any, things of that nature. So, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a profession where I can touch people and people are going to say, yo, Sean, yo, don't touch me like that. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's, that's good. Um, so, why, I've always wanted to ask this question, why District 1? So, Have I asked you this before? Uh, you know, it's possible. I don't remember if I've asked you this before, but um, why the name District One? I mean, it sounds like something from Hunger Games, but I'm thinking it wasn't. No, man. We, <laughs> so, you know, I always joke when I when I start off talking about why District One, right? And I say it was all a dream. Oh, okay. You know, uh, typically I would go into Biggie's verse. We used to read Word of Magazine, but I never read Word of Magazine. <laughs> um, my wife and I, we sat down, and uh, we were in the process of thinking of names. And what we did was we eventually just came to the conclusion that said, look, yo, we need to write down what it is that we want to, you know, in our space. In essence, and we were talking, and we, and we said, you know, we want community. We want a place where people can come and build relationships. We want a place where anybody can come in, where they feel safe, you know, and they feel like they can be a part of something bigger than themselves. And you know, she was coming up with names left and right, hmm. left and right. She was, you know, my wife is very creative, very imaginative. Very, uh, you know, she has a lot of ingenuity, uh, and I was like, "Yo, these are great names, but no." <laughs> you know, I, and I probably was like, "Yo, this name sucks." <laughs> Next, and she got tired, of, and I said, like, "Yo, let's just pray about it and, and see what happens." You know, and literally, she woke up in the middle of the night. And she said she had a dream, and she was like, "Yo." Sean, I think I got it. I said, so what is it? And she said, District 1. And I said, yo, that is it. And District 1 is, like I said, it is a, it's a name that creates community. It's a name that creates 
uh, relationships. It also is a name that we chose uh, based upon also our faith. Mm. Uh, when we talk about the sense of oneness, we look at it and we say, you know, everybody that you see is pretty much the same person. We might have different hair, we might have a different skin texture or color, we might have, you know, all these other things. But if I cut you, you bleed red. And if I cut me, I will bleed red. And mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about this is, is that when you come in here, you are treated just like anybody else. There, there is no gay, there is no white person, there is no black person. There, there's a human being walking into the space mm. to get a service that allows me and allows them to become connected together so we can have an understanding of what we both want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And when I look at it like that, when you look at it like that, you say, well, wow, you know, this is what Christ is about. Mm. Christ is about connecting people together, you know, not based upon their, you know, race, color, you know, the color of their skin, you know, who they are, you know, it's about, you know, love. It's about bringing people into, you know, each other, having people understand each other on a different level and being connected. Since, you know, henceforth the name one, we want a oneness, henceforth a one being red or the old being red and one is like, yo, connecting us by the blood of Christ. You know, like I said, if I cut you, you bleed red. If I cut me, you bleed red. And Christ bled for all of us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, himself. Uh, not just for, you know, the Jewish people. Not just for, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, nah, he did that for everyone so that we can all be connected. Not just so we can just become, you know, biggest and like it's all about me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, the gospel is in the name. There you go. It is. It is. Well, that, that's awesome. And yeah, I, I think the best um, the best things happen sometimes in in our dreams. You know, it's, and your dream has come true in many ways. It's like you guys opened this shop, and you know, it wasn't easy because uh, you you had your surgery, right? Um, <laughs> right when the shop was supposed to open yeah I tore my Achilles oh man um, matter of fact I tore my Achilles when I you know and uh, I was working at the other shop at the time mm -hmm. and we were coming here and we were cleaning up and you know it's interesting that you bring that up because at one point in time I was I was supposed to have already put in my two weeks notice to leave that shop and you know sometimes you feel safe and don't want to go nowhere yeah and, it's kind of how I felt, but when, you know, some things happen, you get thrusted out of your comfort zone and into the deep waters, man. And when you get thrusted into the deep waters, you can only do one thing. You, well, you can do two things, but I choose to do one thing. I okay. choose to swim. You choose to swim, all right. <laughs> I choose to swim. I don't choose to sink. Uh, so, you know, you know, and we, we saw, my wife and I, we saw that as you know, a divine message in itself. Mm. Because if it was not for me tearing my Achilles, I probably wouldn't have left when I left. Mm. I probably would have tried to stick it out even longer. Mm. And that's not what she wanted. That's not what God wanted, especially when we had already put ourselves into a space 
it was already it was it was already ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a few more things to do, and you know, like you said, I tore my Achilles, and I quit my job, hmm. and I came here to finish everything else up. My wife, she did a great job with finishing, doing the finishing touches because I couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And uh, she was like, Sean, oh, man, this is yo. I said, yo, I didn't know you had those kind of skills. <laughs> she did a great job. Though. But yeah, that's what, that's the that's the favorite part about it. Yeah. Yeah, like no, sure. It thrusted me into my position. Yeah. Um oh man, I feel like we've had a great conversation. Any um I guess one thing you kinda of talked about it already with the name district one, but you know you you're probably not the typical Christian that most people think of. Um Especially in this last election, when people say, you know, something ridiculous about uh, 80% of evangelicals or something voted for Trump or, or whatever, or all, you know, are Republican through and through, or all sorts of different things that get kind of thrown together. Christian and Christian means this, or Christian means that. But, um,. But you're you're through and through a Christian, you know. You yes. Believe believe in Jesus and absolutely. So you know, as somebody who values everyone and you know, is super welcoming, um, you know, what what is the value of your Christian faith? How, how would you say that your Christian faith adds value to your life? And you've probably, I mean, you've shared some of this already in our yeah. conversation, but I think I think that it, it, it adds so much value. One, it gives me the strength. Mm. I think, uh, you know, that is important for myself because, you know, a lot of times I deal with difficult situations with difficult people sometimes. Mm. And, you know, I always have this thought in the back of my mind, don't let that old man come out. Mm. And, you know, even when dealing with the political situations, you know, I look at that situation, I say, well... Just because you say you are a Christian doesn't necessarily mean you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of people who do say things and do things, whether they are good people and not Christians or bad people and they are Christians. You know, you you find both sides of the spectrum. But as for me and myself, uh, I, I feel like my Christianity has added value to me because it allows me to have integrity. Because now it's just not about doing it the way that I want to do it, but doing it the right way. It's add comfort to know that, you know, I'm protected. Mm-hmm. It has, you know, durability because it allows me to now see and have an understanding that I have hope that allows me and pushes me through those situations that might be tough. You know what I mean? It might be trying times. You know, and as you know, you know, my wife and I, we just, we're getting over a situation now that has, yeah. has presented ourselves to you know, kind of craziness. And so, all those things, you know, it just, it kind of like puts it all in a bag and so shakes mm-hmm. it up and like, you know, whenever you need something that is different than the next thing, it's like, oh, well, here you go. I realize you need this. Here you go. I realize you need that. Because it, it it's not everything all at once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you don't always get all those things all at once. Sometimes they come in increments. 
Sometimes they come to really have highs, making sure that you stay humble. Mm. You have lows, making sure that you continually realize that you, yo, you have to have faith, but yo, not working doesn't allow you not to have or get the thing that you need. You still have to be a hard worker, mm. you know, and push forward to continue to have that kind of faith that is necessary to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. You know, because faith without works is dead, as we know, but that's not the kind of faith that God wants you to have. Uh, so it's like it, it helps in so many different facets. You know what I mean? It helps when I talk to you know people from different religions, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual backgrounds, and it, it puts me in a position where I don't feel like I have to judge people because I really don't. Mm. You know what I mean? Judgment is not for me. I understand that. So you know when people say they are this way or are that way, it's like okay, that's cool. I ain't got nothing to do with that no way. That's not my problem. But, you know, at the same time, at the same token, I live a certain way and I act a certain way so people know what I'm a part of. Not based upon nothing necessarily saying, oh, I have to say, hey, I'm a Christian. No. It's like, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. But no, I don't have to do that because most people already understand that it's just who I am. Yo, what's up, D-Money? Okay. Hey, David, yo, this is Lars, Lars, my man, thank you. You know what I mean? So, it, it, it puts us in a position to say, hey, if, if I say, if I'm, a, if I'm one of those people who's like, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm going to lay hands on you, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you know, every, to every person that comes in, you know, it's going to be a bad outlook. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because man. those types of people who are overzealous, in my opinion, don't do good all the time. They do more harm than they do good. And so, you know, sometimes you have to take that into consideration as well. Okay. Sure. So, sure. Thanks, Sean. Man, it's been a good conversation. Yeah, man. It's been a real good conversation, man. Well, there's the podcast with Sean. I'm sure Sean will be back on as a guest again. As I think about uh, what was shared, uh, how Sean and I engaged in some of these topics and conversations, uh, I just hope that you would be also uh, open to this idea of touching and interacting with people in meaningful ways and valuing everyone. Um, And that's kind of why I've started Value Add. Uh, It's because I want to have these conversations where we engage in valuing everyone. Coming up next week uh, is going to be a podcast uh, with... Uh, a youth minister friend of mine, uh, Zach Lubin, and throughout March uh, we'll be having these conversations um, that kind of center around ministry and the local church. So again, hope that you tune in to those podcasts as they come out in March. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.